When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Another edition of our Memory Lane podcast on the DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcasting Network. And really pleased to be joined today by former Bucko pitcher Jeff Carstens. Had a nice long career in Major League Baseball. Uh, enjoyed a lot of individual success. Pirates struggled some as a team during his career, but Jeff Carstens was a really good Major League pitcher for a number of years. Jeff, I appreciate you taking a little bit of time to join us today, buddy. How you doing? Uh, not too bad. Thanks for having me. Uh, I have like a, a one-month-old at the house, so the wife's got the baby, and uh, I just snuck out to a little local park we have, that's like a little boat ramp and everything like that, so walking the pier and just kind of hanging out. Well, congratulations. Uh, a newborn, I usually like to start this say, you know, by asking, what are you up to nowadays for folks who, who have been out of the game? So, But congratulations. What, what, what are you doing these days? Are you involved in baseball in any way, Jeff? Um, I am. I went back to school, got my degree at USF in finance, and then uh, I've been coaching at a uh, high school here in Tampa, Berkeley Prep. We actually uh, lost the state championship game this year, and uh, yeah, I mean, I'm still in baseball, not as much as maybe I'd want to be, but at the same time, as much as I'd want to be is a lot of sacrifice and time away from family, which is always hard to do after doing it for so long. That's true. Are you the head coach, pitching coach? What, What do you do with the high school team? I'm just the pitching coach. I couldn't deal with the parents. So I, parents <laughs> ask questions, and I say, I just call pitches, man. I don't know. Oh, that's, you got to take that up with somebody else. I have nine-year-olds, so I coach 10U. And uh, luckily, the parents are still pretty good at this. When when did the when did the parents start to get rough, Jeff, for, for, for youth sports? It's still pretty good 10U, 12U. When, when, when should I start to be worried? Uh, I'd say that, that 14U, when once, they, once they start to go to high school, then – at least down here in Florida, it's like they don't play on the team, so they leave the school, they go somewhere else. They don't play on their summer team, they leave that team and go play somewhere else. Uh-huh. It's just, it seems like the same kind of repetitive circle for a lot of kids, and you know, you just kind of wonder what kind of determination they're going to have when they hit some adversity later on in life. Yeah, I I, I totally agree with that. All right, so. Our Memory Lane podcast, we ask about favorite stories and memories uh, uh, of your playing career, and I certainly do want to hear all those stories. But lo and behold, as fate would have it, we scheduled this interview on July 27th. Now, that date might not mean anything to a lot of people just to hear the date, but 11 years ago today, 
was the Jerry Meals game between the Pirates and the Braves. And I didn't even realize this until about three or four hours ago, Jeff. And so I'm like, well, I'm, let me talk with Jeff Carsons. I wonder if it, if he – what was his situation in that game? I looked up the box score. The game, the game started on July 26th, 2011 in Atlanta. It ended in the early morning of, of July 27th. <laughs> Jeff Carsons started the game. So I was like, okay, well, I got to ask you about this. What, what do you remember about the end of the Jerry Mills game, Jeff? Um, I just remember being kind of a state of shock and – looking for the throw to go to first base because I thought the, the out was so evident and apparent, like you couldn't miss it. Like why was Michael talking to the umpire and not getting the double play at first base? And that makes sense why he was talking to the umpire. The umpire told him safe and he couldn't believe it. But uh, I remember that. I remember, um, I remember just being really freaking hot in Atlanta <laughs> and uh yeah, I think I only went five innings that day, and it's just kind of weird. You know, I think back to Kutch really grinding it out because I think he had thrown a lot, you know, the time, I'd say the 10 games leading up prior to, to that game, uh, or leading up to that game, I should say. And, uh, yeah, just kind of being in shock. And then, you know, there might have been a couple of guys, uh, you know, after a long game and they're done, that kind of had a little buzz and, we're really, really fired up in the locker room afterwards. But, uh, yeah, I just remember being so shocked that you can miss a call that bad by, you know. I, was, I don't know what he saw. I was watching the game on TV, uh, and I, I, I want to say it was give or take 2 o'clock in the morning, one fifty in the morning a.m. The game lasted uh, forever. It was like seven hours, 19 innings, four to three Braves over the Pirates. So I'm just kind of curious when the game, where were you watching the play? Were you in the dugout? Did you have a pretty good vantage point? And what was that next hour, hour and a half like as everybody's in the, in the clubhouse and you're getting ready to go back to the hotel or whatever? Was everybody just pissed? I mean, was everybody just stunned? What what was going on there? Um, I think everybody was, I mean, obviously shocked and mad, and from, I mean, I don't recall too much of where I, if I was in the dugout or if I was in the locker room, but I remember seeing Hurdle just kind of giving it to Meals the whole way to, you know, until they exited the field, and that even led into the clubhouse, because there was guys, like, just really, really pissed off, which rightfully so, they called that bad in the game you know i don't know if that was one of our, our good seasons or our bad seasons that we had there but uh um yeah it's just a lot of a lot of you know a lot of men in a locker room that were not happy with the decision because you know you fight for so long to have it end that way you might as well just lose the game in the 10th inning if they're going to do that to you in the 19th yeah, the Pirates, you were 53 and 48. That loss dropped you to 53 and 48. Now, this is 2011. This is still two yep. two years before uh, the 20 the year losing streak ended in 2013. So you actually had a pretty good team, and I think you really struggled as a team after this game. But all these years later, ha- have you seen the replay a bunch uh, with, with Michael McHenry getting the tag down? Ha- have you seen the replay, and, and what do you think oh. about it if you do see it now? Um, it comes across my Twitter feed from time to time, um, especially, you know, usually every year that it, it pops up. So it's, it's something that's so bad and so blatantly missed that, uh, I don't know, I just think of honestly being able to experience something like that is pretty cool, even though it didn't go our way. It's so long ago now that I don't harbor any really, like, ill feelings. I just think, like, 
I just kind of laugh about it more than anything. Okay, here, here's one for you then on umpiring. I coach kids. I tell the um, I tell the kids, don't complain to the umpires. Now, I'm talking about 9, 10, 11-year-old kids here, Jeff. So uh, you're coaching high school kids. I tell the kids, don't complain to the umpires. I make it a personal policy as a coach to not complain to umpires. Um, but a lot of kids nowadays, they see people complaining to the umpires. And, and there will be bad calls. You'll, you'll get the break from a good, a, bad, a good call sometimes. You'll get hurt by a bad call sometimes. You in dealing with young people and you're coaching now, how do you, how do you talk with kids and, and try to get them to understand? Parents might be yelling at umpires. Coaches might be yelling at umpires. How do you get players to stay calm in those situations? Um, I think one, a lot of it's the coach's temperament, you know, how does the coach handle the bad call? You know, um, does my coach stick up for me? It's, there's a lot of things that I think go into it. So I, I do stick up for the kids, but not in a way where I'm disrespecting the umpire. I may run out some baseballs to him or as we cross paths, just kind of, you know, politely asking questions that I feel like I know how to properly ask rather than a high school kid that can be kind of, you know, high headed and, think it's the end of the world because the umpire called the ball on a, on a pitch that was a strike potentially. And uh, just trying to, you know, lead them by example um, and give them examples of what, you know, may play out. You know, you show emotion to an umpire that's out there just, you know, they're not professional. They're trying to do their best. Sometimes it's, you would think it's like they're not trying, but, you know, it is what it is. You try and put yourself in the best situation to succeed and really just, you know, kind of let those things kind of roll with it and handle it in the best way possible. You know, some of the kids still struggle with it, but uh, just trying to, you know, coach them through those moments and let them understand why you're trying to teach them what you teach them in that moment. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as uh, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Jeff, you made your Major League debut in 2006 with the Yankees. Can you walk us through that that MLB debut just after all the hard work that a person does going through their career in the minor leagues and everything? Um, what was what was your debut like? Do you remember that night very well? Oh, yeah, I remember Seattle very well. Um, I remember being in the clubhouse 
uh, thinking like, holy crap, this is happening. But I had some time to think about it, which I kind of, you know, thinking back now, I think sometimes it's better to not know as much with as much time. But uh, we had a long flight back from, or not from, from Boston to Seattle. So I had five hours to think about it on that plane ride about starting. And the next day, just kind of going there, trying not to change too much. But in the moment, you know, you kind of, you're surrounded by a bunch of big stars in New York. And then first guy I'm going to face is Ichiro. And it seemed like he hit everything. And you look at his uh, spring starts and everything's red. So it's like, oh, he's hot on everything. So you just kind of. I remember the moment in the in the clubhouse, and it's kind of a bad moment, but you kind of, like, throw up in your mouth, and you end up swallowing it because you don't want to, like, <laughs> throw up in front of everybody. But I had one of those moments in the in, in the dugout, or not in the dugout, in the clubhouse before the game and on the back of the mound after a base hit, after, I think, Jose Lopez got a single or something. I don't know. It's just the, the rush of adrenaline and the want to, to do well because, one, you want to do well for the guys. You want to look well. You want to look like you're a good baseball player. You don't want them to think like, "Who is this guy?" Like, let's bring somebody else up. Um, so a lot of pressure that you put on yourselves can cause you know you to kind of have those moments. And yeah, I just remember being introduced really quick, not giving up a hit to Ichiro, Adrian Beltre hitting a home run like two batters into the game, and then hanging a, Richie, a curveball to Richie Sexton and hitting a freaking bomb. <laughs> um, but I remember leaving with a chance to win the game and. Uh, yeah, it just didn't go my way. That's how it goes. But uh, yeah, I just, I'll remember that day forever. Uh, I remember my my family didn't have the most money, and you know I wasn't making the most most money in the big leagues. I had only been up there for a little bit, so my agent actually flew out my family, which was one of the coolest things that you know an agent can do for you. And I I'm grateful to him to this day for that. Now, how much longer was it? after that debut in Seattle that you made your debut at Yankee Stadium? Um, I want to say it was uh, – I threw Boston. I threw a bullpen. Seattle, I pitched. Yeah, it was sometime in, in September. Actually, uh, yeah, because I think it was against the Twins. I threw, I threw seven innings. And it's kind of crazy because it was my first loss, um, I think, the entire time I was pitching for that that year after April. Um, April was a pretty bad month for me on the 40-man. 0-5, like 8 ERA, got sent back down to double A. Can you hear me? I can, yep. Everything's good, yep. Okay. And, uh, yeah, I just remember getting sent back down to double A and feeling like this big, sense of fresh air because I felt like I was suffocating myself with trying to perform so well and when things would go bad I'd talk myself into really bad you know situations walking guys giving up hits making poor two pitches um and then coming all the way back to pitch in in New York and you know pitching well and getting a loss against the twins Tory Hunter hit a home run off of me and it was kind of a gloomy day out, and I think they didn't want me seen him to throw because he had just came back from, like, a hamstring issue. So I started, and, uh, yeah, just New York, uh, the old Yankee Stadium was just something different. It felt like it was built straight up, so it felt like the fans were always on top of you. I mean, there were times where I heard before the game, uh, I, forget, I don't even remember which game it was, but it was the time the Yankees had Randy Johnson. 
it's dead silent. The national anthem's going on, and you hear a fan yell out, "Carstens, you suck!" Put Randy in, and I just, I just laughed because I was like, <laughs> "Wow, these fans are ruthless." Like, I guess that's just how it is out here in New York. <laughs> Oh man! I, I have you seen the movie for Love of the Game with Kevin Costner? I have actually. My pitching coach uh, Dave Island, I think, played the double for him. Uh, he was a pitching coach. Oh, at great! Island, and then he pitched the pitching coach for the Yankees for a while. Well, the Royals. That's a cool story. I I love for Love of the Game. I was just talking about it with some friends last night. Uh, in terms of kind of a realistic baseball movie, it's 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 pretty far up there. They were using minor leaguers and everything for. For the players, uh, but uh, the the component that Kevin Costner he's pitching for the Tigers, he's in Yankee Stadium, and he says exactly what you just said that you can hear, you know, you can hear all the fans that are right on top of you, and he does this thing. He says, "Clear the mechanism." Uh, he he goes, "Clear the mechanism," and it allows him to drown out all the noise. Do pitchers have that? Do you have that when you're on the mound, be it Yankee Stadium or anywhere else? Can you drown out all of it and just focus on the catcher's mitt? Um, I think you can. I don't know if everybody can, but um, I think it's kind of a crazy ability to just kind of focus on that. Maybe once the inning ends, you actually do hear the people, but in the moment, like, yeah, you hear cheers, but you you don't really hear specific taunts unless you're closer to the dugout or mm-hmm. anything like that. But uh, I think you the good ones can definitely, definitely drown it out. Um, you know, the guys that, you know, continue to perform in the postseason, those guys, I think, you know, it's the highest pressure situations. The stadium is going to be absolutely loud on the road or at home and just controlling all that and just kind of keeping that noise to a minimum. Um, so you're with the Yankees, the, the biggest French baseball franchise in the whole world. And you get traded to the Pittsburgh Pirates. What went through your mind whenever that that occurred? <laughs> oh, I guess I'm done playing baseball now, so I can tell the real story. I was actually out the night before, and we thought it was two other guys that got traded. I think it was Phil Coke and um, I forget the other guy's name. It was initially, right? They, they Initially, yeah. there was an agreement there. We, I remember Phil Coke, and then, and then it, it ended up changing. So I'm sorry, go ahead. Yeah, no, I think it was Phil Coke, and I don't remember the other guy's name, but uh, they were involved in the trade. So I remember kind of pitching that night and going out to the bar, and there was a guy that owned a bar in Scranton, Pennsylvania, that would let us stay after hours, and he had, like, pool tables, Guitar Hero darts, and, you know, we shut the place down and stayed maybe a couple extra hours. And the next morning I get a call saying that uh, I got traded, and I was just like, what? I was kind of surprised, and they're like, yeah, you're here from Greg Johnson, which is the retired traveling secretary that retired a couple years ago from the Pirates. And, uh, yeah, they called, said I was going to the big leagues, and I was like, well, shoot, I'm I'm in AAA now. Going to the big leagues sounds like a really good gig. And, you know, you get to Pittsburgh, and I think Jason Bay was there for a week, and some of those guys were still there. Um, I think Adam, La- Adam LaRoche was there. Um but, yeah, then, you know, guys started moving, and then all of a sudden you start seeing fans with bags over their heads, and you're like, what the hell is this? Like, they, I mean, obviously we're losing 100 games in a season. It sucks. I wouldn't pay to want to see that either. But you were in the big leagues, and so how did you how, – how do you come to grips with that? You're in the big leagues. You got a lot of opportunities with the Pirates. Um, 
but you're, you are losing a lot. So how does a player deal with that whole scenario of you want to do the best you can, you want to compete and everything, but your your team is, is just not really going to have a lot of success, and everybody probably knows it. Yeah, I think, I mean, obviously everybody's trying to win a baseball game. You know, just the, the level of talent that other teams had compared to, I guess, even where myself was at, uh, you know, just as far as knowledge and slowing down the game at the big league level. You know, you can play up there and do that, but those guys that do it over and over, you know, they have a special ability to kind of, kind of, uh, I don't even know how to say it properly, I guess, uh, take control of the game. And, you know, we had a lot of young teams and as guys, they acquired those pieces. It's become one of those abilities that, you know, you just try and perform to the best of your ability. And I, I don't even know how to describe it because you're trying to pitch well. You're not trying to suck, obviously. And, you know, there's games where we would just get thrashed and there's games that we lost that were close. Um, but I just think that over the course, you just kind of pitch for yourself, knowing that you're trying to win. You're not being selfish, but, you know, at some point you got to perform because if you don't perform, you're going to be in the minor leagues or you're going to be released or, you know, you're going to be you know, just another guy that came through and was out real quick. Now, you did kind of go a little bit back and forth starter and reliever. I want to ask you a question. Um, if, the, if the team is losing and, and it's a, maybe a tough environment, is it easier for a starting pitcher to deal with since you're only pitching every fifth day? Or is that is it more difficult since you're only pitching every it, it, versus being a reliever? Does that come into play at all if if you're on a team that's struggling? Um, I think it depends on your role. You know, if you're getting flop innings, that's always tough because you know you're trying to pitch well for the bullpen, but you're also pitching in games where the scores aren't you know in your favor to per se. So. There'd be days where, you know, your bigger name guys are out of the lineup and you're playing with a little bit younger team. But I would say I'd want to start just because it's easier to deal with, you know, what you have to do to recover, to get back out there to try and perform well. Um, I think relieving is tough unless you know exactly what your role is, like kind of maybe like a hand-right-hand type, a Lansing type, where, you know, unless you guys are winning or it's tied and going into extra innings, you're not going to be in the game. You pitched seven years in the big leagues, uh, the last five with the Pirates ending in 2012. What's your favorite memory? Do you have a personal favorite uh, story that uh, occurred to you on the field, off the field? What What do you like to look back on and it makes you smile about your career? Um, I, I just honestly still think back to my second start with the Pirates, throwing against Randy Johnson, getting a complete game, getting two hits off of him, coming four outs from a perfect game. Um, I just didn't think it got much cooler than that, and everything else is kind of icing on the top. And for that to happen pretty early in my pirate career was pretty cool for me. I felt like. How'd you get a couple of hits off Randy Johnson? <laughs> you hope that he doesn't throw you a fastball because uh, I think him throwing the slider played into my bat speed a little bit, and I was just able to get a little bit of barrel to the ball and you know put, put one in right when I left and tell my blessings. I made sure not to look at them, but I definitely wanted that baseball and still have that baseball blue thing. Did you feel like, Jeff, that you 
had done what you could do, putting in all the work and accomplishing what you were trying and hoping to accomplish. Uh, when you look back on all these years later, do you feel good about everything that you did? Is there anything else in the back of your mind of like, boy, if this would have happened or that would have happened, if I could have stayed healthy here in that situation or whatever, how, how do you look back on your career from that standpoint? Uh, you know, it's hard to look back. The only time I'd ever wish it would maybe gone different was, uh, I think it was a start against the Brewers in Pittsburgh. Um, I threw like seven innings, and in the last pitch I threw the inning, I just felt like a little tug in the back of my shoulder. And I maybe it was like, maybe that day if I was just on one inning less, I would have lasted a little bit longer. But, you know, it, it, injuries happen, and I was able to grind through a lot. Um, you know, three years, I was taking cortisone shots, stem cell injections. Um, towards the end of my career, you know, taking even stronger meds that were prescribed by the team to try and help me pitch because there were times where I would just pitch and recover for four days and then start again just because I couldn't throw in between because it just hurt so bad. So, you know, um, but I was just trying to grind it out. Looking back, maybe I should have said something, but at the same time, you know, I think I kind of knew mentally that my shoulder was just not in a great place. Um and I was trying to battle through everything I'd battled through before, but it just got to the point where, you know, taking off a T-shirt got difficult. You know, moving my arm on my armrest of my car was difficult. Um, you know, so I just, yeah, I just wish that maybe the injury, I wish the injury couldn't end in my career. But I wish that I could have been like, you know what, yeah, I've had enough fun and, and stuff like that. But that's my, probably my only thing that I wish would have happened different. But, you know, you win some, you lose some. Well, 2011, you were 9 and 9 with a 338 ERA. A very good year for the Pirates. 2012, 5 and 4, a 397 ERA. Uh, did you feel like you had gotten to the point at the end of your career when you were pitching? Did you feel like you had gotten to the point where you felt confident and felt comfortable that you could go out and do the job at a really high level? Um, I wouldn't say at an elite level, but I'd say at a high level, yeah. I think I finally started to understand what it was to pitch and what it was to, you know, kind of to think while along with doing it. You know, I wasn't gifted like these guys are now throwing just really, really hard. Um, so I had to really understand what I was seeing and, you know, kind of what the reports were telling me. And, um, yeah, I just felt like at that time I was really, really starting to figure it out because – it kind of became kind of like a game. Even with Neil, I'd joke around with Neil Walker. I'd be like, all right, I'd look at him, and he'd know that I was just going to throw fat, like a BP fastball, like 83, 84. And the amount of number, the amount of rollover ground balls that we got was pretty insane, like just cheap, cheap outs that I would get by throwing stuff and just not throwing it as hard as I could, just taking a little bit off, just trying to get it off the end of the bat. And, and then understanding that, you know, when I do that and I'm able to – make my curveball look like a strike and elevate my fastball at times. Um, yeah, I just felt like I was understanding a lot of who I needed to be to be successful. And, you know, then an injury happened and then it was just trying to fight it back to get back. And yeah, that just didn't happen. Jeff, you were a good pitcher, especially the last couple of years. Again, a sub four ERA. And this was 10 years ago. So I'm going to ask you a question here. Yeah. I don't know if you've thought about this. Would you pitch in the big leagues today? Would, would would a guy like you, what did you top out about, 91, 92? Would, would, would... Uh, there was a few days where I got a 93 on there. Okay. 
Well, maybe Milwaukee was. I thought the gun was always hard. I touched the ninety four, but I don't know how real that was. Would a guy like you even even get a shot today? I think a guy like me would have to have a lot of success and kind of be kind of like what I was. You know, the draft was obviously a lot bigger back then, and maybe what I would say. Um, a roster filler for, you know, some of your top picks to kind of, you know, come get groomed and try and, you know, create teams for these these guys that you're investing a ton of money in. Sorry, I live right by an Air Force base, and there's a big old plane going by. Okay, no problem. But, uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, just trying to uh, make a name for yourself. I think this day and age, everybody's so concerned with velocity and, while I think that's very important, having some pitchability is also very important. So understanding changing speeds, pitching to the four corners, up and in, down and in, and, uh, you know, all those four corners, up and in, up and away, down and in, down and away. Um, but I don't know if a guy like me gets the looks like – I didn't have an out pitch per se like Hendricks does from the Cubs. This change is really, really good. And I think he popped out at, what, 89? Yeah. So, you know, your out pitch has to be pretty, pretty deceptive. I think his is. I don't know if I had that pitch. Um, yeah. Do I think I could pitch? I definitely do think I could pitch, but would a scout take a chance on me? I don't know if they would. Hey, I uh, asked Freddie Sanchez a couple months ago, here's a guy that won a batting title. You know, where would you fit into today's game? He said, I don't know if I would uh, because he wasn't that uh, A-plus swinger trying to go for the fence every time back when he played. So last thing for you, Jeff, do you do you watch much Major League Baseball nowadays? The game ha- has changed significantly since you retired. How much of it do you watch and what do you what do you think of the current product? Um yeah, I watched I watched the game yesterday a little bit. I saw Bryce throw. Um saw the little altercation with Contreras which I think it's crazy because that stuff leads into the high school kids. So I think it's really created this picture of what you know these kids are seeing on tv like we have um Baez and Garrett getting into it which I understand they have a feud but high school kids are seeing this and we have high school kids you know getting really into it in high school games I'm trying to tell them that like you know this stuff shouldn't be creating fights it should be creating good rivalries and uh I think the game emotionally I like the emotion but you know not everybody's for it so there's gonna be some pitchers that are mad about it pitcher or a hitter pimping a home run which you know i think you know you hit it well you can pimp it a little bit but the bat flips 20 feet in the air and admiring halfway down the line walking at least start a little jog or something you know it's i think there's some level of respect that has kind of gone away from the game and uh you know it's not as old school as it once was you know guys used to throw in a lot even before our time you see those brawls that would happen guys getting hit you know guys didn't like it and you don't see too many guys get hit, but you also see guys throwing a lot harder and guys going for strikeouts. So um, I think the game's changed a little bit. I think the analytics have changed it. I think, per se, some of like what your eye tells you as an old-school coach, you know, some organizations don't really care for that anymore. So I think the game's changed, whether it's for good or bad. I think, you know, we'll only know maybe a few years down the road, maybe five years down the road, but... uh yeah, I still watch, keep up with it. You know, there's still guys that I played against still playing and some guys that I played with still playing. So I follow their careers and kind of keep tabs on that. But other than that, I don't take a deep dive until really the playoffs. 
I really enjoy the playoffs, the competitive baseball and the energy and, and all that. Do the kids you coach, do they pick your brain? Do they think, oh, former major leaguer, or do they, do they care about any of that stuff? Um, actually, a couple of them do. We have a we had a pretty talented team. Uh, we had like a six five kid going to Ole Miss. We thought he had a chance to get drafted. Just threw well at the beginning, and then just didn't really pitch well down towards the end. But I also think he just really wanted to go to Ole Miss, and he went to a visit. And I'm pretty sure there was a lot of girls there, so that really enticed him to go to to college. Um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, I think uh, some of them do pick my brain. Some of them are just really kind of clueless. Like, uh, I was drafted out of high school as a catcher, so I have a set of catcher's gear at the field that I leave there. And every once in a while when the kids aren't being competitive, I'll, like, joke around and put it on. And this year I put it on, threw a kid out, picked a kid off of first base. <laughs> I was like, you know what, I'm even get, I'm going to take an at-bat. And I hit left-handed and got a hit off the kid, one of the kids, one of our kids pitching. And I was like, one of our uh, younger kids is like, Coach, I didn't know you were this athletic. And I was like, this kid's just really – they just watch highlights of uh, current players and all the star-studded stuff. They don't watch anything on their old-school coach. <laughs> that is, that's hilarious, man. I can't thank you enough for sharing the stories, uh, Jeff. Just terrific stuff. Uh, really appreciate it. Best of luck to you with everything in the future, pal. Thank you. I uh, wish you guys the best as well. Uh, hopefully it's not too hot up there. It's brutal down here in August. It's probably the worst month down here in Tampa, Florida. So. Uh, Yeah, wish you guys a good rest of your summer. Thanks, man. Take care, bud. You too. Bye-bye.